I could keep up with. It was one of those tides so high that it was right up against the embankment, with a thin layer of water spilling up onto the promenade. The occasional wave lashed up high as far as the tips of the sand dunes. The air was thick with the spray. I'd never seen anything like it. I was maybe 13, 14 at the time, and it was just this magical thing. Then it happened. A wave came over the edge. My hand slipped off the rail, and that was that. In a matter of seconds, I must have been six feet deep under the water, empty lungs screaming for air and pleading for help. The more I fought the current, the further out to sea it pulled me, and I only had one thought in my mind. No one was going to find me. Then we collided, a crushing pain as the impact forced out what little air I had left. My vision collapsed into black. I'd stopped dead. I was motionless, even as the undertow continued to surge around me. My eyes burned and I strained through the murk to see it. A hazy silhouette. I gripped tight. What was this rusted moss beneath my fingers? I reached up, clawing, scratching, pulling myself through the rushing current until I finally broke the surface of water and my lungs burst open to a breath of fresh air. Grey skies all around. I've never been so happy to see the grey. In time, my vision settled and I realised where I was. Hundreds of metres from shore, clinging tight to a barnacled head. Someone had been there to save me, and he lent out an arm when I needed it most. My unexpected hero. My deathbed salvation. My iron saviour. 92.2 Southport Wade FM those were the haunting words of Leah, a Blundellsand native who claims to owe her life to the friendly neighbourhood faceless masks of rust that guard our coastline. But who are the Iron Men really? Where did they come from? What do they want? Anthony Gormley said, The idea was to test time and tide, stillness and movement, and somehow engage with the daily life of the beach. Now that's some thought-provoking stuff, or maybe it's pretentious babble. It's this wealth of perspectives that I want to bring together for you during our broadcast today. Maybe we'll get to the bottom of what it means, maybe we won't. Either way, join me for tales of love, life, loss and quicksand as we venture together to another place. It's going to be one hell of a journey. There's that word again, this time spoken by Steve Marriott, a teacher at a local primary school. Steve recently conducted an investigation into the Iron Men with a class of pupils who, believe it or not, have actually been on this earth for less time than the statues have. Now that is a haunting thought. Another place is the only place they've ever known. So the relationship with them is different because they've always been there, they've always been a part of their life. Whenever they've got to the beach, they, the Iron Men have been part of it. So what of these kids? Can they understand the Iron Men's place in the world if they've never experienced a world without them? Do they recognise their worth? Or do they simply see them as wallpaper, a natural part of the scenery, something that neither needs to be acknowledged nor thought about? In truth, the first time I saw the Iron Men, I thought little of it. I believe it may have been in 98 or 99, in Stavanger, Norway. That's right, I was down with the Iron Men before it was cool. 
For me, the real sight to behold was the image of the jetliners flying by overhead, their wingspans bathing the figures in majestic shadows as they took flight. You see, in Norway, the Iron Men were located on a beach perched at the end of a runway. Now all they have for a backdrop is a cluster of wind turbines and a Mr. Whippy. Of course, for some, the magic of the Iron Men is not yet lost. But let's see if any of their first impressions can top a jetliner, which they can't. Because planes fly in the clouds and you can't get any higher than that. But I digress. So you thought it was drowned the first time. How old were you when you first saw this? About three or four. About three or four. Liam? You were scared. Okay, who else do you remember the very first time they saw this, Lucy? I thought they were one of my friends. You thought one of your friends did? Were you waving to them? Hi! And that was not waving back. I thought they were just like friendly people just drowning and I was like, hello? <laughs> <laughs> not waving, but drowning. Eva? I thought they were quite weird because they were just Iron Man standing on the beach doing nothing. Because they were just standing there doing nothing. Those of you who Oh, sorry, Emily, sorry, I didn't hide from behind me, Emily. The first time I saw them was when Mr. Jackson and the others took me down to the beach and I saw the Iron Man and I thought they were real. And you thought they were real, did you? Okay. 92.2 Southport Wade FM. So that was a group of pupils from Caulfield Junior School remembering the first time they set eyes on the Iron Men. And you know what? I'm not going to be stubborn about this. They may well have topped my jetliners. They felt. And yet it seems that the common denominator here is fear. Ask someone for their immediate response to the Iron Men, and nine times out of ten, they're scared, threatened, filled with dread. And it's not just people either. Take Steve's dog. My dog really didn't know what was going to be on the beach all the time. We used to live right down by the beach and we'd walk down there. The first time we saw it was really early in the morning because we just started to get lighter. My dog just stopped. And she was going, And she crept closer. And she crept closer. And it didn't move and she was a bit and she'd run back, and she'd get a bit closer, and then she'd run back. And then she thought, hang on, my little dog had a wee on this. <laughs> and then she was okay. I don't know about you, but that seems a little unnerving. To see this landscape of drowning men, to have the gut reaction that you might be seeing someone's final moments unfold, the realisation of their worst nightmares. Is that really a healthy image to impress on anyone, let alone young children? 92.2 Southport, Wade FM. I think it's time to open the floor to our listeners. Do we have anyone out there who'd like to share their stories? Any first impressions from a first-time caller, perhaps? Anyone? Okay, not to worry, I have a backup plan. See, not long ago, I reached out for some brief thoughts on the topic from locals and visitors alike. And so with that, I filled myself a hat with little strips of paper, and on each piece of paper is a different one of your thoughts. So without further ado, a thought picked at random. Let's see. What are the Iron Men, I ask? You say, rusty bits of potential scrap? Rusty bits of potential scrap. How apropos. Okay, 
I lied. That one wasn't picked at random. I chose it earlier. Because, come on, who can't agree with that? Rusty? Fact? Bits? Well, they are naked. I'm marking that down as fact. Scrap? Potentially. What the hell is that? All hands on deck. How do I answer this thing? Hello, you're live on Iron Hour. What do you have to say about the Iron Men? Hi, yeah, I just have to say it's out of line to call them scrap. Okay, so let's backtrack a second. What's your name, caller? That doesn't matter. You shouldn't be broadcasting out and calling them scrap. Well, they're not my words. They're straight from the hat. (laughs) I don't think you even have a hat. Of course I have a hat. Okay, we're getting sidetracked here. What do you think of them, if not scrap? I think they need to be respected for what they bring to the community. I think they need to be applauded more for what they keep away, being glorified beach scarecrows and all. By all means. Why are you devoting all this effort towards something you clearly have no appreciation for? Something I have no appreciation for? You need to listen again. I clearly do, or I wouldn't be devoting a show to it. You know, I swear I recognise your voice. What's your name? Hello? Huh. She's gone. That was... odd. Why would she think I don't care? I do care. She didn't even care enough to tell us her name. We're getting sidetracked again. Time for some music. Now that was just the kids fooling around with a variety of instruments, exploring the sounds of the Iron Man. But before they could turn this into this, they first have to visit the Iron Men in person to collect their thoughts. Now before we join them on their journey to another place, I think it's time to make the show a little more interactive. What I want you to do is simply take a moment to draw one of the Iron Men. It can be as detailed or as stick figure-esque as you like. All that matters is that it's your vision of the Iron Men. So close your eyes for a moment and allow yourself to be transported as we head down to the beach. During the course of the afternoon, you shall be seeing some of Crosby and Waterloo's famous landmarks. I hope you have your clipboard at the ready. Right, so you can think of some way to describe this Iron Man. I know. Okay. Naked and rusty. Okay, naked <laughs> and rusty. Okay. What else? What other ways can we use to describe this Iron Man, Caitlin? Tall. Tall? Anything else? Made of iron. Made of iron. <laughs> Good thing for an Iron Man to be made of. Um, he's wearing my old sunglasses. And he's wearing my hat from Cyprus and my children's university top. This is old and I don't really wear it and it's too big. Do any of you have a favourite Iron Man? <gasps> is there any one Iron Man that is your Iron Man? And if so, which one and why? My favourite? Um, all the Iron Men have like a tag on their off. Um, and it's got a number. My favourite one, number 43, because it's not too far out to the sea and not too far close into the um, promenade bit. And um, it's not sunk or anything. And I like to, because I imagine when I talk to the Iron Man, I imagine that one to have a funny voice. So I like to speak to that one and ask him how his day has been and uh, what have you What's your favourite boat that you've seen sailing across the water or, and things like that? And you give them a name? Ian. Ian. Ian, <laughs> <laughs> Ian Ben. <laughs> oh, 
actually two favourites. Go on, you've got two favourites. Alright, um, 99 <coughs> and number 100. Number 99 is because um, a very popular song that I always uh, like perform when I'm coming um, to school is 99 Love Balloons. Oh, and right, number yeah. 100 I really like because it's the last one and um, it's like the highest one. So you know there's no more after that. Like an old man with some brown glasses. Sad. It's all rusty, which, no offence to old men, but it's a bit wrinkly as well. Um, and I find it hard to draw like the neck on it because um, I've done it wrong. Got the shoulders and then um, on it, it's just got a straight body and then the shoulders. Yeah. Up to its neck. Oh, I find it hard to draw lots of things on him. I think that the Iron Men's feel happy when they look at the sea most of the time, like looking at people have fun. 92.2 Southport Wave FM. It's not as easy as it sounds, is it? Who knew a silhouette could be so intricate? And I guess that's the point. They may look like simple, tatty old bits of metal but dig beneath the surface and they're anything but. So I want to come back to the kids' musical project. This idea of bringing the Iron Men to life. Obviously they're not sentient, I'm not crazy. But let's just pretend for a second, what if they were? What would that be like? What thoughts might have been running through their minds for the last decade? Okay, before we've, we've always, all the questions that we've asked so far have been about what we can see and about our interpretation. But now we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking what it's like to be an Iron Man. In fact, you're going to have a go at being an Iron Man. Yes. I'm going to ask you to find the space so that you're not standing next to a friend, so you're on your own. Imagine some of the things that the Iron Man must have seen in the ten years he's been stood in that one place. Well, I don't know about you, but I felt one thing during all that. Bored. Theirs is a pretty uneventful existence. I mean, sure, you can try to tune everything out and just focus on some sort of wistful contemplation of the sea, but I don't know. If anything, I'm starting to feel sorry for the Iron Men. Interesting items on a boring coastline. Take them away and what are you left with? Maybe the kids had a different experience. Well, you couldn't move and if, like, um... All your feet were uncomfortable or was it hurting? They couldn't move and they think, oh, I can't get comfortable, why can't I get comfortable? I felt like if I was an Iron Man, I would feel like I'm real and think that I could move and then I try and move, but I just couldn't move. Okay. Harry? Well, I was said it was really annoying because, like, you need the toilet. And, like, if you, if you just stand there, your legs ache and... How, how did you feel being an Iron Man? In agony. In, in agony. agony, OK. So you were in agony trying to be an Iron Man. Let me see. I felt like if it was raining, you couldn't get out of the rain because you had to stay put there. You had to stay in the same place because you wanted to move, but you couldn't. And finally, what do you think, Emily? Emily Scott. I think that it's hard 
because you can't move and you really want to go play games with other people and you want to swim. Lonely, uncomfortable, add that to the fear we talked about earlier and I'm really starting to wonder just what's so magical about them, these silent sentinels of the tides. Time and time again our associations with them are negative, yet we speak of them with such adulation. Maybe there's some things I'll just never be able to come to terms with. Oh, we have another caller, ladies and gents. Who do I have? Why do you hate them so much? Oh, it's you again. If you think it's a bad thing that they might feel lonely, then you've missed the point. They're lonely, so we don't have to... Oh, so they're martyrs now. Jesus was an iron man come to save us from our... saviours. You're the girl from the story. What? You're the girl who nearly drowned. You're Leah. I remember as a kid, I used to sneak out at midnight and wander down to the beach. I'd sit there for hours. Well, not actually hours. But when you're young, it feels like it. You don't have a great sense of time. I'd sit there for ages and watch the waves lap up against the shore. I liked the silence. I wasn't lonely. I had the eye in them. Sometimes, the next day, my dad would find the remnants of sand on my clothes or left at the bottom of the shower. And he'd go crazy trying to figure out how it got there. I never told him about my adventures. Not even the time he tipped out my shoes and found enough sand inside to fill an hourglass. I sometimes wonder if he knew where I went all along, or whether I was imagining the whole thing and the sand got there some other way. I still look for sand in my shoes sometimes, but it's been a long time since I've found any. I guess my days of adventuring are all dried up. What did your dad say to you after you got back from the beach? After you were caught in the tide? How did you know about my dad? Know what? Why would you ask specifically about him? I just assumed. So did he have anything to say to you? To be honest, I didn't tell him. I didn't want him to worry about me. So I waited till I dried off, went home and just never said a word. It's funny you should bring him up though. He told me a nine-man story of his own once. It was low tide and he'd gone way, way out to take some photos. When he noticed it, Was he thinking? He did what the kids did. Imagined he was one of them. But he didn't feel lonely or uncomfortable. He said he felt at peace. So how did he get out of the quicksand? After 
a few minutes he tried again and eventually just wriggled free. Not quite the near-death experience you had then. You never know. The more you struggle, the further down the rabbit hole you sink. I think staying calm kept him out of trouble. The way you tell it, you weren't very calm in the water. Well, I had fate on my side. I wouldn't exactly call crashing into a random Iron Man fate. Luck, maybe, but not fate. No, you've got it all wrong. Think about it. They weren't even supposed to be there. They were supposed to have moved. If they had left, who knows how far out to sea... If they'd have been moved, you probably wouldn't have gone down there to look at them. Well, what about this? My dad never cared for them and never talked about them. The day he got caught in the quicksand and imagined life from their perspective, guess when it was? I don't know. The very next day. The very day after they saved my life, he went down there, completely unaware. What do you call that? A coincidence. And ever since then, even though we've never talked about it or planned it, every time I come home, we always end up there. It tends to be where we meet. It's just a coincidence. No. Everything I can think of in my life, it's always connected to the Iron Men somehow. Because you took an interest in them. You're drawn to them because you choose to be, whether consciously or not. It's not some strange phenomenon. It's not even coincidence. It's a result of your decisions. Then what decision resulted in you hating them so much? You never did answer my question. I don't hate them all. I just hate one. Which one? The one that killed you. I think they feel healthy.
than just oh it's just lying down on the beach it's the whole concept um, and for me they represent they represent people and their relationship with their creator and their environment I mean if you look at you, there's a hundred statues and they're all made in the image of their creator but every single one of them is different and they're different because of where they are and how they've interacted with their environment or how other people have interacted with them. So some have been more affected by the natural environment, for example, those that are out in the water. Um, they've covered in barnacles and they've rusted more and they've been washed away. The tides change their shape and change their appearance and change the way that they are. Um, whereas the ones that are further up towards the prom are they've been affected more by the people around them as well as their environment but because people have interacted with them and people have dressed them up and painted them and all those kind of things so they've been changed by the people more than their environment uh, and as I say for me that just reflects man as a whole you know and what if the ones that were in the water had been put in another place would they be the same? to go and see them in person and go and feel them and everything so I'd be really disappointed. The day after it happened, I went to the beach. The tide was lower than I'd ever seen. I walked out as far as I could until the thinnest slip of water lapped at my feet, and I just stood. I must have been there for 10, 20, 30 minutes, completely still, all the while sinking into the sand, millimetre by slow millimetre. I wanted it to swallow me whole. It's hard to imagine that no more than 24 hours previous, all this was completely submerged, that in hours to come it would be again buried underwater. There I was thinking time had stood still, only to find the tides don't care. Life goes on whether you're there or not. I'm still there, any time, just... Stare out at the horizon and I'll be there, in some other place, waiting to see you again. Children have a way of looking at things that adults lose. We lose so much as we grow up. You know, looking at things through the eyes of a child, yeah, that's, that's something special. 